This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 200 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, and it's called The Flying Duchess. Please support our sponsors as they make this show, yes, the 200th, possible. Equity Manufacturing, home of the coolest manure fork ever invented, and Kentucky Performance Products, scientifically proven supplements for your horse. You can find them all at StableScoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. I'm Glenda Geek on episode number 200. And I'm Helena B. Happy to have a quiet end to the week. Oh, one of those weeks, huh, Helena? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but before we talk about my drama, what's your drama like? What have you been doing this week? Uh, Just recording shows, doing normal stuff, actually. It's been uh, one of those just kind of ordinary weeks. It was nice to have Jamie back on the morning show. That means I have to work a lot less. So, so that's good. She had a good time over there in Spain. My goodness. She was like drooling over those horse models. Riding Andalusians on the beach and, you know, things like that. She she did have a good time. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And she got to play with some horses too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I am full of them today. (laughs) I told you to save them for the show. I didn't think you'd have any left. (laughs) I didn't either. I'm telling you, when I say it's been a week, it's been a week. (laughs) Well, the... Oh, uh, boy. The um, <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Two hundred episodes, <laughs> by the way. Mm-hmm. Two hundred, yep. almost four years. We're coming up on four years. Wow. Well, as a matter of fact, if we take fifty-two hundred four two hundred eight, would be four years. Two hundred and eight episodes yeah. is four because that's fifty-two times four. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, eight more weeks, we'll be at our fourth year. So what day? What date around that will it, that be? It started one, in two, August, so that makes sense. Three, four, five, six, seven. So around August tenth. What do you want to be out out of the country then? So. No, I want to have like a big party. <laughs> yeah, we have to have a party. Where are we going to have four a party? years? We we'll have to do it virtually. Big, we're having a big big party on the fifth, on our fifth anniversary of Stable Scoop because it's the flagship show. Then we have show. to get together. Yes. We're going to get together and we're going to get all gussied up and we're going to go. Maybe we'll do the um, Arabian Nights. Well, we'll have uh, we'll have we'll invite some of our listeners out and uh, have a good time. Right, 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 right. Sounds like okay. fun to me. So, look, we're already we can't even be happy with two hundred. We're already planning like three hundred and four hundred <laughs> parties. It's just I need a party. I think is what I need. I think that's probably it. Well, we have a great show lined up for our two hundred. Something that you probably haven't heard much about. I know I hadn't heard much about it, and I know you hadn't either. No. Uh, we've both heard of archery. We've both shot bows before, but uh, neither one of us has done mounted archery, and mounted archery is becoming a serious competition worldwide. And we have two guests coming up. We have the vice president of the Mounted Archery Association of the Americas, and then we have the, we have the Flying Duchess. She is like the goddess, the queen of mounted archery here in the United States, has traveled all over the world, and is the one, when I asked around, that said, you know, we want the best of the best. They said, well, you got to get Katie on the show. So Katie Stearns is going to be with us here to tell us some, about some of her world travels and how this mounted archery thing all works. One of the things I've loved about this show over the last 200 episodes is how much you and I have learned about stuff that we knew nothing about. Oh, gosh, no. I mean, it's the more we do this show, the more I realize how little I know. And, you know, people said, they, they said to me in the very beginning, and they probably said it to you, is, what are you going to talk about every week? Um, and you're going to run out of things to talk about. It's only horses. Oh, my gosh. No. And, <laughs> and there's, we get emails for topics and suggestions that, and, that we just can't even get to. There's so much out there. There's so much out there. There is. We have nine shows what, on the network now. And look at, you know, with, with over probably 1,300 episodes now. And we're running out of things to talk about. So. No, we, we, no way. There's, there's plenty. Well, how many shows? Nine? 
Well, we have eight shows now on the network that are going. Eight shows, yep. And, eight uh, shows, yep. okay. And, and, and we could add another one if we wanted to. Oh, uh, we could add about a dozen more. I, yeah. I get contacts every week for people wanting to add shows to the network. So it, uh, it's been fun. It's been a good time. Thank you so much, Helena, for co-hosting. We've done oh, almost all pleasure. of those together. Yes. Uh, with a few exceptions. But most Except when we, we get sick or we travel or yeah, something. But that's it. I mean, that's the only ones we haven't done together. We're not sick of each other yet. I think that's partly because we don't live near each other and only have to do once a week. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'll say. <laughs> all right, let's get to... Well, first, let's talk... Uh, we, we did this morning on the morning show, on Horses in the Morning, we had uh, one of our listeners on who uses one of Equity's manure forks that uses the flexin fork, which I think is the one you use and, and one yep. we use here. And I also have a shaken fork. But she uses that, and she cleans a ton of stalls every day. And we knew she had just gotten a couple of weeks ago, so we got her on the phone, and we asked her how it was going. So let's take a listen to that, and then we're going to be back with Trey, the vice president of the Mounted Archery Association. First, we have to talk about EquityMFG.com. Of course, there's the, they're the ones that make the pitchforks, that, and he hates it when I say pitchforks, so we'll, we'll rephrase that. Manure the, forks. The, the manure forks. We always call them pitchforks. I still get that wrong. They make the shaking. It's not a pitchfork. I know, but we always call them pitchforks no matter what. That's what we call them. It's like hoof and hoof. Um, So he has two great ones that we absolutely love. That's the uh, shaken fork and the flexing fork. Well, one of our great listeners, Jamie's sister from another mother, Aubrey, is now using the flexing fork that she has been for a couple of weeks. And, Aubrey, how many stalls do you clean in a day? Uh, Well, it varies from – I do three or four barns usually, so it varies from – Five to twenty-five, depending on the day. Oh wow! wow. So you're cleaning salt. This this is a yeah, job. yeah, you, quite you... a few. <laughs> so now you had used just the basic twenty-dollar fork that you get at the at the store before. Yeah, and I can't use it anymore. They've ruined me. <laughs> I've been carrying this one. Well, the the flaxen fork. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It's, the head is a little wider. The angle is better. Everything about it is better. So I've been having to carry it from barn to barn with me in the back of my brand-new car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, But it's worth it because I, can, I can't clean a stall with another fork now. <laughs> now, did you get – what kind of stalls are you cleaning? What kind of bedding? Actually, I've got one out here. My main one that I do, we use bag shavings. And then I've got some that do um, – sawdust and some that do bulk shavings just depending but yeah mostly over mats and I've got some barns that the mats are not all that great on and that stick all up and get in the way and all that kind of stuff but it's been working it works great over the regular stuff I one of these days I'll get uh, rich enough to get the the one with the power so I can use it on my stalls with the sawdust because I think that'd be great yeah, that's does where I, I have used it, and it, it does work terrific for that. Now, with the flexing fork, it comes with a couple different head sizes, and the tongs, the, the tines are further apart on on one, and then closer together for like for for your uh, pelleted stalls and things. Do you have the wider one? Is that the one you got? Yeah, yeah, I'd take out probably three quarters of the stall if I had the narrow one with those bag shavings. Yeah, yeah. So now, one of the things that these are known for, and I found because I've tested this. Is that they're tough as heck. Have, have you had any, have you broken anything or even bent one of the times? Oh, no, I do, and I do paddocks with them, too. So I go out and dig stuff out of the grass, and, and I throw it in the back of my car every day now. And at the flexibility was actually really surprisingly nice because instead of catching and doing that horrible flicky thing when it gets caught on, like, a, a mat or something, it kind of mm-hmm. almost goes around the edges of the mat so you don't end up flicking everything that you just spent five minutes picking up flicking it everywhere so but yeah I, I throw the thing around and it's just it's great see now anybody that doesn't have horses have no idea what you just said but for <laughs> those of us that have cleaned thousands of thousands of stalls we know what you just said no the flicky thing is the worst thing ever especially in paddocks <laughs> when you're doing with grass and it gets under that crab grass and oh yeah you're right really yeah, annoying. you're right it's so funny. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'll tell you, Aubrey, that 
uh, our flex and fork that we have, it is <clears throat> it is coveted because we only have one. And there's Chad, myself, and Jose. And at some point, sometimes all of us are cleaning the pastures at the same time. And let me tell you, it is the coveted fork. It is oh, quite yeah. different. Yeah, we've I've got one other girl that does uh, my main barn a couple days a week, and she and she loves it too. She's like thinking it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I said, well, when I got to take it to another farm, I'm sorry, it's not here. It's with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are available for purchase at EquityMSG.com. They're a little more expensive. They're probably they're in the the forty to fifty dollar range, so they're a little more expensive than the ones you buy at the TSC store, worth the cheapy it. ones. But would you say it's worth it, Aubrey? Oh, absolutely. And, hey, I call them pitchforks, too, so you're not the only one. Thank you, Aubrey. <laughs> I knew I liked her. All right, Aubrey, yeah. thank you very much. Get back to work. All right, will do. Well, hey, Trey, and welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now, tell us, I, to be honest, as, as of a couple of weeks ago, and we've done these shows for years, I had never heard of mounted archery other than in the Robin Hood movies. Is this something that is growing in popularity now? Where did it come from? Well, you know, it, uh, it's been practicing mounted archery since before Christ was born, and it's been a martial art. But, uh, you know, it's something that dropped off with the gunpowder revolution. Uh, Asia has kept it going, uh, but it really is a, a, a sport that's practiced in the Western world. It was started by a gentleman out of Hungary named Kasai Lejos. And what he had done, he was a... An avid, passionate archer, and uh, he, and since you know he lived in Hungary, uh, he would go and see where they were doing archaeological digs and see these uh, these bows uh, and the different equipment uh, brought up. And he thought, you know, why am I shooting these bows from you know the Western world uh, when I should be shooting something uh, that looked like my forefathers? And so he's been, he spent a lot of time doing lots of research, uh, trial and error, and uh, he started studying. Uh, Asian style archery, and and, and and to explain that, uh, Western archery tends to be used for uh, you know, either either Olympic style or an instinctive style, which is for hunting. But uh, Asian archery or Eastern archery tends to be heavier on the martial aspect of archery. Uh, archery is warfare, and so uh, he's in in the the difference is is that. Uh, the main difference is, is that Western-style archery is really heavily geared towards accuracy, one shot hitting a four-inch circle at, at distance. And uh, the martial aspect of archery is more about firepower, getting three or four arrows launched in the same amount of time that your opponent can launch one. And so uh, the, it doesn't, it, the accuracy is always important, but it's not as emphasized as firepower. Anyway, um, I'm Well, they had a lot more people coming at you, so they, they, they had to take the shotgun approach. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and once you get fire supremacy, then you can take your time and be accurate. Uh, because, uh, you know, when it comes down to, you know, you a group of guys shooting three arrows a minute and another group of guys shooting seven, um, eventually the guys shooting three are going to duck, and now they're only shooting one or, or none per minute. And, uh, duck or die. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they tend to do that. But anyway, that's that's how it's been. And the mounted archery was, has always been martial because it's a uh, you know a form of warfare. And uh, it was uh, um, it was it, it you know it was uh, up until the 1700s. It was still a devastating form of warfare, even after the gunpowder revolution, simply because they, we didn't have repeating weapons, and uh, and uh, they. It, because of the firepower they could launch. And so, uh, it, it, and, and the Crimean Tartars went through Poland annually, uh, and part of, and part of Europe and then Asia. And, uh, so anyway, it's, 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 it's been, he, he resurrected it, Kazai did, and he brought it and, and introduced it right at the point when the Iron Curtain was coming down and people were looking for some identity. And what he did is he said, look at this. We are, we are horse warriors. We come from Attila the Hun, and this is how you do it. And uh, it became very popular, huh. and it started to spread throughout Europe uh, with the archery enthusiasts and horsemen. And uh, right now it's the fastest-growing archery sport in Europe. And it's really slowly skipping down the hill here in the United States. The, the main problem is people just don't even know it exists. Right, well, that's, and, that's why where we thought we'd help you out on that one, because I thought, and I thought it was fascinating, I used to have a bow and used to shoot, 
years and years ago, on, not on horseback, which adds a whole new element to it. But in, now we have a, one of our co-hosts of the Western Radio Show. She's a world champion mounted shooter. And uh-huh. you know, I, I, when I watch the videos of you guys, you know, going at a dead run, uh, standing yeah. up in in your stirrups with no hands on the reins whatsoever, and you know, sh- shooting the arrows, it kind of reminded me, uh, in a way, of m- mounted shooting, kind of what they do. Well, you know, it's, it's very similar. I think they're more alike than different, to be honest with you. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and the seat position changes. Uh, you know, not quite as loud. Level. No, not, not quite as loud. As Until you hit somebody. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that you can do mounted archery in the city limits. You can do it uh, without making your horse deaf. And you can do it with uh, without the heavy expense of uh, buying blank rounds to practice with. Uh, do you, you know, need a... Do you need a permit or any? Do you need a permit or any special privileges to to use a bow and arrow? Is it considered a lethal weapon? No. Well, you know it depends. I, I uh, I've bow hunted for years, and uh, most places you can even hunt within the city limits if you're hunting. And most, but some cities have strange ordinance about uh, they, you know they go back to kids shooting folks at the park with uh, slingshots, and uh, where bows can be prohibited in public spaces. And so you really have to check out the local uh, constabulary and see what their rules are. But 99% of the time, you can, you, you mean, you're not causing, you're not causing any trouble. And, and in archery, just, uh, it, it, it's benign that way. So it, it, it tends to be not a problem. And I think that when people see it being, being done, we, we do here in Texas, I have a school called A Company and we, uh, we put on uh, uh, demos for different uh, fundraisers all the time, and they just use us. They'll put us out by the road, and we'll ride by and, and gallop by and shoot targets as we go by, and it brings people in because they got to see what we're doing. Well, that's and interesting. So, uh, <laughs> You're yeah, the big we, sign at the end of the road. Um, <laughs> well, kind of like that. <laughs> hey, tell me, how do the competitions work uh, here in the United States? Well, you know, it, it's uh, we just hosted the first national championship. You know, the and and uh, MA3 is the governing body that's recognized international, and it's a uh, it stands for the Mounted Archery Association of the Americas. It encompasses both North and South America, and so when we put on a national championship, it, it, it includes everyone from both North and South America, and so I, I hosted here in Texas. Um, and we had uh, 32 riders from six different countries. And uh, um, so it was the first time we, you know, the folks that would, would, would host these events tended to be more international as far as bringing the Europeans over. And so we just kind of, when we were talking about holding a, an elimination to host one of those same events, we decided, you know, we need to do start doing stuff here more local. And it gives people a reason, you know, to make the trip. And so... Uh, um, but the way the events go is there are several different courses. Uh, different countries have different courses they practice all the time. The most difficult one, I believe, is the Hungarian. Uh, your first shot is uh, a target facing you as you're galloping towards it at a minimum of 20 miles an hour. And uh, at the target, the first time you can... Well, no, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what you just said, he just w- w- walked right by that. You, you, I'm sure Helena picked up on it, too. <clears throat> There's a lot of people in this audience that have never ridden at 20 miles an hour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, on purpose. Well, you know what, what, it, what it is, is that it's, it's, you know, 20 miles an hour isn't that fast. Basically, you're running 100 yards, which is 90 meters, in 16 seconds minimal. And, uh, Shoot, so how many arrows are you shooting in that time? Well, it depends. Um, my students, most of them that are uh, intermediate to advanced, can uh, launch about five arrows in that 16 seconds at a target. <laughs> That's booking. I mean, that's booking. And what to describe it, they're they're going at, at this dead run, pretty much, um, standing what, up in what? their stirrups, really almost straight up. And they got the bow in the hand, and they got their quiver, and they're pulling arrows out. You're you're setting the arrows and pulling them back and shooting them all in that fast a period of time at at targets. Sure. Well, you know, in, in the hunt course, they it's different because they you look you hold the bow in your hand plus all your arrows in your in the hand that you hold the bow. And so you're loading from your hand on the hunt course, but all the other ones require that you do load from a, a safe quiver. And uh, yeah. it's in fact the Native American style, you load from your hand as well. Um, but they they don't have any real strong set courses for Native American. Are they really archery, sharp? The arrows? Because I wouldn't have any fingers left if I was trying oh, to. Yeah. 
Huh. Well, you know, they're they're bullet-shaped uh, field tips, okay. so that they'll, uh, they'll, they'll uh, plow into a, a target, but they're the most uh, non-lethal tip that you can I was going to say, they don't have those big, sharp things like you see at the stores uh, for hunting. No, no, they don't, no. We, don't, we don't practice with broadheads yet. You know, uh, it's funny, that what's interesting about mounted archery is there's a real spectrum, and uh, on one end of the spectrum, it's it's sport. And the Hungarians really push the sport aspect with light bows and fast-moving horses and lots of arrows launched. And then uh, on the other complete end of the spectrum is, is mounted archery as a martial art. And in that, they, they want really heavy war bows being used, you know, 50-pound minimum to 70-pound launching, you know, heavy, heavy 600-grain arrows. And... Uh, and when you go to a competition, you run into folks that are on different points on that spectrum, depending on where their personal bias is. And so I, I kind of like it. I really think that it's fun because you get to, you know, you, you get to challenge yourself. I mean, in the end, you're, you're shooting against yourself. But uh, it, it, it's neat to see how the different biases do in different different courses. Now, do you shoot targets or are you shooting, do you, you know, are they just, you know, round targets or are you shooting balloons like the mounted shooters? Do you ever shoot moving targets? You know what? We, we've done a lot, uh, played around with it. Um, we do, we, we, most of the targets we shoot are uh, the 80 centimeter uh, um, Olympic style fibering targets. And, uh, but there, we'll, we'll, the, this year we put on a uh, deal where we put, um, I put, uh, what are they called? The, the targets that use for 3D competition, the foam bears and the deer and, and the oh, different okay. stuff as you're riding by. And it made it more fun. It made it a little more difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, it, in some of the targets, uh, some of the Asian targets tend to be square instead of round. And, but they'll have centrific squares coming out. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, they vary. The, the sport is still growing, and it's still kind of dynamic that way because uh, um, people are introducing things. You know, if you look at the speed that we were competing at 10 years ago, it's different now. And, uh, that, you know, and, and the way the sports, if you look at the rules that the different countries have posted, uh, you know, the Koreans and EOCHA, EOCHA is a long acronym for the European uh, Mounted Archery Association, um, they they revise their rules every year for safety and for and to to make it more competitive as more and more people enter the sport. And so uh, it, it so we're it, it's an exciting time and and it's one of the things that we're doing with the Mounted Archery Association of American Americas. We have Darren Wardle out of uh, Rogue Mounted Archers in Oregon, and uh, he's doing a lot with uh, writing new rules and and uh, he's been working with Barb Leeson out of Canada who teaches uh, um, Mounted Archery up there and hosts an event. And so, uh, you know, we, we, like you guys work over the online, we, we, we've been doing that, trying to revise our rules. We want to make them international in scope, but we don't want the tail to wag the dogs, for instance. Uh, the speed in Mounted Archery has gotten a little too crazy, and there's more and more accidents. And, you know, and the faster you go on your horse, the, the more uh, prone you are to get hurt. Well, what so kind of horses do you typically use? Well, you know, I, I think that it, it's just about any horse. You know, here in the West Coast, they really like gated horses, and, and why not? But they, they oh, really? a lot of... Yeah, I didn't, well, I know, guess it makes sense. They're smoother. They're smoother, but they have to canter. You know, you have to be at a canter the whole time, and if uh, they break gate, then it's a zero time, zero run, and uh, you okay. just make it a zero on I that. I didn't realize they had to canter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it, well, they've got to be at a canter or a gallop, and so uh, in order to count... Um, but they use a lot of... Uh, so slow lope work. doesn't count? A slow lope, as long as you can do the lope in 16 seconds <laughs> for 90 meters. And that's, it's a, that's not outrageous. I mean, uh, it, it, it's not that fast. But uh, um, it, it, it was, as you start doing it, you start realizing, especially if you do some practicing on a horse that tends to run fast, and then you get on a, a slow loping horse, you're like, wow, I got all day now. And so... Well, I tell you what, this is fun. We're gonna we're gonna be talking in a minute or two here with uh, Katie Stearns, who's uh, referred to as the Flying Duchess, and she's probably one uh, that, from what I can see, that's traveled more than anybody doing this around the world. And we're gonna talk to her in a little bit. But I appreciate you joining us. It's the Mounted Archery Association of the Americas. I know that your website is under construction, but what is it anyway? 
It, it's it's uh, Mounted Archery Association of the Americas. Um, I don't remember if it's .org or .net. We just we just got a new IP address, and uh, we've, we've got it up and running, but we're adding things to it. In fact, one of the things we're going to be posting in the next few weeks is a map of uh, North and South America with the regions and where you can go to get training if okay. you're interested. And uh, it'll host events, and we're starting to put up scores from past events and, uh, you know, try to get it more interactive. And then uh, in, in, in the next uh, next month or so, we're going to end up putting uh, uh, how-to stuff in different articles to help people, you know, that want to give this a shot. Yeah, All right. You know, the, the important tips. Well, it sounds terrific. Thank you, Trey, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for your time, and uh, say hello to Katie for me. She's a great gal, and she's a wonderful ambassador to the sport. Uh, we've never had a better one. So Trey was pretty cool. I think that uh, he's very enthusiastic about his sport. One of the things we've discovered in doing the show for 200 episodes is that the smaller the discipline, the smaller the group, the more enthusiastic they are. Yeah. That's, because they're trying oh. to grow it and build it. You know, they have to be. Yeah. And they, they love it, and it's a niche for them. But, um, you know, I think our next guest is uh, equally passionate about this, and uh, I think she's kind of cool. In fact, I think the Flying Duchess might be the next hottest Halloween costume for equestrians. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. You know how a lot of these barns have, they have their Halloween parades or yeah. their Halloween hunter pace? I think for the hunter pace this year, I want to be the Flying Duchess. That's a good idea. And you have to listen because we're going to talk to her in a second. You're going to find out what she's all about, and we're going to put some links to photos at stablescoop.com so you can see what a Flying Duchess looks like. But let's take a listen. Well, hi, Katie. Hi. I'm so glad you could join us today. You know, I, one of the things we didn't mention in the introduction, uh, in your introduction, was that you're a graduate of the University of Oregon with a major in anthropology. I am. Well, you know, it's interesting that your major sort of, you know, in a way kind of relates to, to all of what you have done. Tell us how you got interested. Were you interested in horses first or archery first? Uh, definitely horses. Okay, so you've been horses yep. since you were a little kid? Yep, since I was about two was when I first got on my first horse. And were you, were you, what were you into then? Were you English, Western, were you showing? Um, I actually started with uh, jumping, with hunter, jumper, and jumper. And how and did that graduate from taking the jumps away and, and putting uh, targets in the way? Well, She's actually, probably shooting then, for her trainers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I love Yeah, yeah. Tell me to post. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> That's good. Select That's the line this. of the day, Alina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrong diagonal, whatever. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, see, that's no. it. She couldn't follow instruction. Here, there's nobody that does it, so she could just uh, make her own way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one does. No one does mounted archery. <laughs> just make it up. No, I um actually then got a rescue horse, and you know it was either you can have lessons pretty much, or uh, you can get your own horse. So um, I actually got my horse because my mother had recently married, and my stepfather was trying to gain favor with the children. And so I got a pony. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But, um, yeah, and then I was also at the time doing Bellegarth Medieval Combat Society, and we actually shoot people. Um, I was doing that in high school. What? And, yeah, but with blunted arrows. Yeah, what do you Yeah. Blunted arrows? Yep, yep. I like this world. Kind of I like this world. What it tell me yeah. about? <laughs> oh, I, I live in my own little reality. Oh, my God. But, yeah, there's... um. They're, they're blunted and you shoot people, but I got a bow, and it was called a horse bow. Um, and it came with a book written by Kasai Lyos on horseback archery. And I just so just got lucky, and the only person that was currently practicing, really, on this side of the Mississippi, I live in Oregon, uh, lived 15 minutes north of me. Huh. Well, I used to own an acting company. We did medieval feasts, and the only thing they would shoot at us is uh, rotten food and things like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't we didn't get shot at with arrows or beaten with sticks. Now, so you you pretty much didn't have an instructor, did you? Because I did. Oh, did you? Okay. Um, well, I started with Holm Newman, um, and then he was having Lucas Novotny come out for a clinic, and that was in '05. And, and I so assume I Lucas just... help us out here. I assume Lucas is somebody important in the in the archery. Oh, group? yeah. Okay. 
Oh, yes. No, he's, a, he's an internationally renowned uh, boyer and horseback archer. He owns Saluki Bow Company and uh, makes two in, in what I think the best bows in the world. Did you say he was a voyeur or a... Yeah, boyer. A boyer. Uh, okay, good. That's bones. completely different than a voyeur. I was... Uh... Than a voyeur. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, a, a, so a boyer is a person who makes bows. So these bows... Yeah. So everything... The, this equipment is designed specifically for mounted work. Um, yeah, pretty much. You know, okay. he, he also makes pretty, you know, bows for hunting and things, but I think his emphasis is on, his emphasis is on the horseback archery bows. So now when you're, when you're engaged, cause I, I can't think of another way to describe this, you're riding, you're aiming, you're shooting. Um, we know what thrills us when we ride our horses in the different disciplines. Some, for some of us, like for dressage, it's the training and then oh, achieving yeah. that perfection. What is it that, what's the sweet spot for you in mounted archery? There is this perfect moment and, you know, and all the other horseback archers out there will know what I'm talking about. And that's when you are riding your horse and you're going down the course. And typically, you know, if you're like me or some of the people, well, we ride pretty fast. And when there's this moment when the horse is at the peak of its movement, when all four feet are off the ground, and that's ideally when you release your arrow. And when you get that, when you are when you're up and you have that release and you make that awesome shot, there's nothing better. Huh. I didn't think about timing it to the footfalls because obviously you're bouncing up and down a little bit no matter how hard you try. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do tend to stay in, a, in kind of a two-point position personally. Some people sit down. But uh, I think because I was started out as a jumper, I naturally, when I'm on a fast horse, I get up in two-point. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's much more stable. And women tend to do that anyway, too, because our center of gravity is a little bit different. I I don't know. I do the same thing the faster I go. I find my center of gravity is more stable if I'm in two-point. And so um, now how do your horses – do you buy horses who are accustomed to this type of sport? Do you train them? Is there anything special that they need to learn? I can't imagine that it would be – too crazy how to steer without reins <laughs> yeah well, yeah 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 it's i guess really, so yeah that's, that's the biggest part you know a horse that that you can trust to put their head down and go without holding on to their face but really i think any horse can do it i mean i've done it off of everything from icelandic ponies to shire thoroughbreds to arabians to mongolaga machadors it really um what it was really, that really hold varies. on what would you just say? <laughs> We're going to make Bless you go you, back and way. say it. Oh. We're going to make you say it like nine times. Okay, what was that again? Oh, no. No, because then people are going to probably be saying it wrong, because I know I don't pronounce it entirely right. All right, give it to us again. Give it a try. Okay, Mangalarga Marchador, and it's spelt just as it sounds. Mangalarga Marchador, and is it? I assume it's a breed of horse? It, it is. It's a, it's a gated horse from Brazil. Uh, we use them often. Often, many people I know use them for horseback archery because they're incredibly smooth. But they come in two different gates. So they have the picada, which is a four-beaded lateral gate, similar to like a pasifino, um, but with less of the suspensory problems, and they don't flip out their feet like the uh, Peruvian passes. Okay. And then the batida is a four-beaded diagonal gate, very similar to a fox trotter. Okay, makes sense. That makes sense that you would that they would use those too because of the smoothness right. of them. Do yeah. they have the speed though of the other breed of the Arab or? The, no, no, yeah. definitely not as fast as the Arabs. But their but their canters are very flat and very smooth, so I think it's very easy for people to shoot off of. Yeah. So now you yeah. had an Arab in the, in some of the pictures we saw. Oh yeah, I I use Arabs mostly. And the reason? They're 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 my breed of choice. They're very intelligent. They're very sensitive. They're quick on their feet. They're typically, I find all of mine to be very, very um, willing to listen to leg cues instead of the mouth. Now, are you steering with your legs or does the horses oh, yeah. just know the course? Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, you have to. Otherwise, typically a lot of horses will veer to the outside of the course. <laughs> okay, yeah, makes sense. And so you really got to keep <laughs> that kind of outside leg on them to, if you want to, you know, get as close to the targets as possible. And now you have traveled all over the world. Tell us about, and according to what I read and according to what Trey said, do you go to Korea every year to compete? 
I used to, yeah. This year I did not. Um, I actually lived in, in South Korea last year for about five months, and now I'm giving myself a year off from competing to um, settle in my own place. So you, you've gone to Korea that many times. You've lived in Korea. You really do. I mean, this is, this yeah, is your passion. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And t- so tell us about Korea. What was it like there? Um, fascinating. You know, well, for me as an anthropology student, of course, anytime I travel, I just love it. But um, the competitions were always great, uh, very well put together. It was run by the World Horseback Archery Federation, uh, they were in Sokcho, South Korea, and I think now they're starting to relocate to a new facility. But uh, we had people come from all over the world to these international competitions, from Germany, Poland, from um, Iran, from the U.K., from Mongolia. It's, it's, it's really a, an international event. Now, do you, what about Americans? Do you, are they oh, yeah. as, as how, how uh, far-reaching is it here in the, in the States, and is it growing? Oh. Yeah, it's, you know, it's growing very, very well, I think, on kind of a smaller local level. So there's a lot of people that do it for recreation and for fun. Um, there's not a very large group of people from the U.S. that travel internationally, not like um, some of the other countries that get much larger groups participating on the international level. But and does that's, ever... that's mostly choice. Okay. And, well, and, and a certain amount of practicality, I mean, you got oceans yeah. to cross sometimes it's a yeah. little bit easier for but do you find that is is korea like the mecca um i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say that i would actually say that um you know as, as much as we talk about korean as much as we they have those larger events um i would say kind of in europe itself obviously hungary is where it originally started into this modern martial art um by kasai Lyos. But there's, I think, a much larger group in some of the areas of Germany and Poland and in that um, in the general Europe. Do you do so you talk about martial arts? Do you do any other martial art? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, as many as possible. Okay. <laughs> All right, remind me not to piss her off when we're in, we meet her in person. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you that know, was it, one of the reasons I went to Korea. It's not such a stretch. It is. Um, it's a physical. You can see it. I mean, sometimes people uh, equate riding with dancing and any, t- any sort of physical yeah. artistry um, is, you know, it just seems like horses are a perfect fit because we do connect our bodies to them. So we become an extension of each other. And yeah. then just to, to take whatever it is that you're passionate about, whether it's archery or, um, you know, training or mounted shooting, it's... Uh, you spend your days and your nights and your mornings, um, I guess, combining the passion with the physicality of the relationship with your horse. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think also a lot of people try to put, you know, their, their horse people, and they try to put their horses in, in, mes- in many aspects of their life as they can. Right. Right. I mean, it, it is. It's just like an extent. It's an, they're like an appendage. A very yeah. hungry appendage. <laughs> yeah, a very expensive appendage. I was just going to say, if you had stuck with the hunter jumpers, your chances of winning more money were probably greater. Uh, yeah. She'd yeah. be miserable and still shoot at her trainers. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be kind of fun, actually. And, yeah, and so yeah. what else can you, um, where can you go with this? I mean, if, you're, if I'm a teenage girl and I am enamored with this sport, how do I get into it? Where can I go with it? Where can it, obviously it can take you spiritually places and recreational, it can yeah. take places. But what about practically if someone really wants to do this all the time, where do they go? How do they get started? You know, yeah, as far as in the U.S., I mean, the best way to get started is to find someone who practices and who teaches and gives clinics and attend a clinic by them. Um, that's the best way to get started that I recommend other, you know, some people do kind of the start at home thing and that's where you end up with a lot of, um, you know, bad habits, just like with any horse, horse sport. Um, Mm -hmm. it's much better to have an instructor, I think in the beginning to help keep you from getting bad habits. But in, you know, in, in other countries, like I know in Iran, their horseback archery team is supported by their government. And so is the Jordanian horseback archery team. Hmm. Um, and some other countries. In the U.S., we don't really have, you know, we don't have scholarships or any kind of really financial um, 
way way to go about it. I mean, it's um, pretty limited for us. How expensive is it to get started? It's your bow and your arrows. You know, let's yeah. take the horse out of the equation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you can you can get a, a a decent beginner's bow for two to four hundred dollars. Okay. And and arrows, you know, can range anywhere between sixty to one hundred and fifty a dozen, depending on how you know. See, that's be the expensive part for me. It'd be just like playing golf. I go through more golf yeah. balls losing them in the oh, woods. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's would be the expensive part for me, right there. Yes. Yeah. And as a beginner, you lose arrows, you break arrows, your horse steps on arrows. It's terrible. <laughs> Depending on which end, that is really terrible. Um, Maybe I should start an arrow manufacturing company (laughs) or buy stock in one. I could see you out there riding on the beach right by your house there, Helena, shooting arrows at the the tourists. Be great. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll shoot anybody. (laughs) Anybody who gets in my way. I like that. Well, you know, I remember uh, being a, a young girl, 10, 11, 12 years old at camp, and we had archery. That was, you know, one of the activities that you did, and I loved it. I loved, loved that satisfaction of the accuracy. I, I just loved the feeling of the power, of the flight, of the setup, you know, the anticipation. Am I going to get it this time? And to marry that type of um, strategy and, yeah. you know, the, the mental with the physical there with riding, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I were 10 years old, I would definitely say this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And the fact that you can do it and I mean, and even make a career out of it, you can, if it's something that you do well, then you turn around and you teach others. And it's like, it's like being a missionary. You find something that's absolutely amazing in your life. And, but the other thing too, is this is a window into a, a broader study of life and culture. It's a, right. It's a fun and exciting way into anthropology. Definitely. It's culture and living history. It's, it's so yeah. much fun. Now history and, 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 but even now, like, because it's practiced in so many countries across the world, it, there are opportunities to, to experience other cultures through a shared passion. Yeah, yeah. And the, I did really the, the mix of cultures that's involved at especially the international competitions is amazing because everybody comes in their traditional costumes and people like the Japanese come with their traditional um, Japanese yumi bows, you know, and everything is, there's so much pageantry and so many colors and cultures and languages, and everybody is so friendly. All right, oh, but I happen to know from your, from the West Coast, so I want to know why you're dressed up like Robin Hood. Huh? <laughs> I'm looking Robin at the, Hood? I'm looking at the green shirt, kind of reminds oh, me of yeah, Robin yeah, Hood. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's because, especially around that, when that picture was taken, and still now... Um, because I go to all these different medieval events. Okay. All and right. so I have a lot of tunics and, and... I'm just picking on you. European clothing. <laughs> <laughs> now, one other question about the bows. is: Do they ever do it... Uh, it I'm going to use the wrong term here, but it looks like you're using long bows as opposed to a compound bow, or or do you even, you know, are do they ever use compound bows? No. Okay. I, not that I've ever okay. noticed, but... Um, what, so the, no crossbows either, huh? No. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't think so. Not that I've ever heard of. Okay. Um, but yeah, the term you're looking for is recurve. Everybody, Thank you. Almost Thank everybody you. uses yeah. recurve. Yeah, that's right. See, I was going way back in history when they were longbows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and some people, I have seen people shoot longbow from horse. It's uh, the, similar the, to the, the Japanese yumi bows also are even longer than a lot of, long, of the longbows. And some of those longbows can get to like five, six feet long. Can you imagine riding a horse yeah. trying to shoot that bow? <laughs> no, I'd be shooting my foot. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. It's like riding with a big sail in your hand. <laughs> wow. So now uh, I'm going to throw Tammy under the bus here. Tammy is our host of the Western Radio Show who's a world champion mounted shooter. And she has okay. accidentally shot herself with the blanks in the hand. And uh, <laughs> she has one horse that's uh, kind of missing a little bit of an ear. So is, oh, that, is, that, a no. pro- is that a problem with the, uh, with, with the arrows? Poor team. I have, and now knock on wood, I have yet to shoot one of my horses. Okay, well, that's good. Um, right, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> but have I you have, have accidentally you had poked them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I poke them all that. the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I poke him in the yellow. I poke everybody. I yeah, yeah. kids, my horses. But but have you have what about your aim? I mean, what kind? Like okay, so here here's a question. Uh, you know, you're galloping away or cantering away, and you're just about ready to release your arrow, and your horse spooks at something. <laughs> Does your horse spook at something? How do you not? It, it does know. happen. Of course it happens. So she, what she's asking is, how do you not shoot your neighbor? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, you you try to not shoot, obviously. And, and what I tell anybody is any situation to get into the habit, really, is if, if something terrible happens, you throw your bow as far away from you as possible. Oh, okay. okay. You just wing your bow instead of yep, you I, drop yep, the whole yep. thing. Rather than risking your horse getting... Impaled you or, you know. Right. Well, I guess like any you have your emergency uh, strategies, you know, right? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah, one definitely. of them. So you just chuck yep. the whole darn thing. Yep, just throw it. And the whole thousand dollars of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately. I know. I've, I've had horses roll over saddles before. Step yeah, on them, and, and break a saddle tree. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Spe- you're out $1,500. Speaking and of which, it does look like you're using English saddles. This. Yeah, I, I prefer the English saddles. Okay, that's what it looks um, like. Or um, many of us also t- more traditionally use horses built for horseback archery, which are modeled after various Mongol and Chinese um, designs. Well, it's not even English um, saddles. Uh, you know, it is an English saddle, but you're actually using a dressage saddle from what I can tell in some of these. Um, most of them you'll see I'm in my jumping saddle. Okay, because I was looking at I pictures really from like Korea. The, and, yeah. Uh, with yeah, knee rolls. Yeah. Yes, I'm a knee roll fan too. Yeah, me so. too. <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I hope that uh I hope we got everybody curious enough that they can check it out. Now, if you're on the West Coast, you actually do give lessons and and you know, we'll get beginners started and uh, you have all kinds of packages for that. Where can people find you on the internet that they can look you up? Yeah, definitely. Um, my website is probably the best way, and that is just mountedarchery, one word, dot net. Um, that has all the basic information that I have, you know, on mounted archery and uh, my email and stuff, and I am set up here in Washington. So. Okay, and one of the things I will tell you about your website is you got to put the contact information a little clearer. It took me a long time to find it. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been... I've been working on changing stuff around when i was in korea everything got put on hold so i've been slowly trying to fix that i'll, I'll make that more obvious yeah make that obvious so that people can find yeah. you to uh to come out and take lessons how cool very good yeah well thank Great. you so much for joining us we really appreciate it well that's fun I, you know i i did love shooting uh bows when we we had them at the farm uh our first farm we used to we used to shoot quite a bit and i did love it but i never thought about doing it from horseback Adds a whole new dimension. Well, you can pretty much do anything you want from horseback. It's just whether or not you're going to get arrested for it. And <laughs> <laughs> no, on that note, <laughs> we're going to go to our attack and habit Habit segment is sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products. When horsemen were asked what they were looking for in a nutritional supplement for their horses, the answer was easy. One that's affordable, effective, and oh yeah, if it's scientifically proven, that would totally rock. Kentucky Performance Products took that message to heart and developed supplements that met those needs. As you put your horses into more work this summer, you'll be putting more and more stress on their joints. A product that can help is Joint Armor from, of course, KPP. Joint Armor provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces the joint deterioration. You can learn more about Joint Armor from KPP and all of their other terrific products by finding them online at kppusa.com. Well, thank you, Helena. I picked the, the product today for Tack and Habit. Something a little different. We haven't had a techie product in a long time, and we haven't done a website in a while. So I, I combined both of them here. 
One of the problems that we all have, whether you're a horse person or not, especially horse people, because we tend to be busier people, we got to fit a lot of things in, is remembering what you can, what what your tasks are, what your to-do list is. And, you know, I don't know how you do your to-do list, but I used to do it on paper. And then, then I've tried numerous software tools to do my to-do list. And my to-do list has gotten longer the b- bigger this company has grown. <laughs> and, you know, I just have never found a good way to do it where, where I liked I liked that it had everything I needed. Well, I think I've stumbled on something. I used, I've been using it for a couple of weeks, and I really like it. it. And it has a funny name. It's called Tootledoo. That's T-O-O-D-L-E-Doo. So it's Tootledoo. Tootledoo.com is what it's called. And it really does a great job with, with what I need for a to-do list. One of the problems I've had with the other softwares that I've tried to use is that they can tend to be complicated, they, you know, I don't want my to-do list to be complicated. That's the last thing you want to be complicated. And I think with some of these, they give you so many options and so many different ways you can do it that by the time you fill out the little to-do part, your little task, yeah. you've just spent 10 minutes. I can't be spending 10 minutes every time I want to write down I need to call somebody later. That's right. I, exactly. You know, did you have the same problem? The same problem. Uh, and it was like awful. And then I was like, oh, then I'm just not using it. And then what do you do? What do I do? At least I, this is what I do. I don't know what you do. When I, when I don't like it anymore, guess what I go back to? Paper? Trying to remember <laughs> it all in my head. I go oh. back to nothing. So, and then that doesn't work very well because I'm getting old. I'm 50 years old now. I don't remember things like I used to. That's you, even worse than paper. <laughs> That it's even worse than paper. I used to, one of the other things too is when I was younger, I had like a photographic memory. I didn't have to write anything down ever. And now, I, you know, it makes me mad that I don't have that anymore. And, you know, it kind of is just frustrating. Mm. So, but you know what? I have a smartphone and I have a computer and I'm always around one or the other. So, this program also has uh, applications for, for most smartphones. And it really does organize your tasks in a simple, fashion. You can create folders and put tasks in folders. That's all I need. Now, it does a lot of other things other than that. And one of the things it does is you can collaborate with other people. You can actually share your folders with other people that have, have uh, Tootledoo. So you and I, if we, if, we wanted, if we wanted to actually get organized for the first time in 200 episodes, mm-hmm. we could you know, have a shared folder. We could put in there what the things we needed to do about the show this week. We could both look at it. We could both edit it. it it's great for that, too, if you want to do that. That's even more complicated than I wanted to do. This has really been working for me. And, and the reason why is I just, as I'm working all day, I keep their website open. I keep it open to my account. And you, they have the quick add task. And that's almost what I use exclusively. I pick the folder from the left and I put the quick add, call so-and-so. And I, that goes in the calls folder. And it's done. It's one step, hit enter, done. Now, if you want recurring tasks and things like that, if you want to, if you want to, you know, make it so that every week it's on there, you can do all of that. You can put date reminders. You can have goals. You can set up goals, and you can have your task toward go towards a goal. That's all too complicated for me. Uh, I just needed the simple task thing, and I needed to do it right. The other reason I really like this program is that it has a dozen different ways to search your tasks so you can do recent you can make a task hot so Mm. that it's starred so that it becomes more important than the others recently added recently completed Uh, whether you modified a task recently you can check all of that very easily Uh, and it has a bunch of different settings when you start it up that you can choose to make it simpler or more complicated You, you, you can just do anything you want with the settings there now, okay, yeah, it's I'm free. Waiting. Why? But they do have a pro version. Okay, it's fourteen ninety five and twenty nine ninety five for the two pro versions. For the simple things I've wanted to do, I've been on the free one, and it's worked just fine. I can do the phone, I can do the computer, I can have them sync up, and they do sync up almost immediately. The syncing is very good here, okay. and I, I have it on my Mac, I have it on my PC. It's compatible to both. So it's, it's great that way, and I, everything I've been doing have been the free stuff. Now, if you want to go into a little bit more complicated and you want to have goals and you know, be all fancy and you know, tie your tasks to goals and projects and all that crap, then <laughs> you need to pay a little bit extra. If you just want the simple to-do list like I did where it's so simple that my ADD doesn't kick in by the time I'm done with it, 
mm-hmm. then which is about two seconds, then this the the free one is fine. It really is. Okay, so I'm all about tasks. I, I spent a fair amount of time as a project manager for software companies, and we used something called Microsoft Project, yes. which is a very complicated, I don't want to say it's comp- very complex yes. uh, piece and of software. <laughs> but once you figure out how to use it, it, it will run your life. It's like having an organizational robot. It's amazing. Now, this obviously is not that kind of complicated, no. but... It reminds me of taking that part of your organizing your day and I want to say offloading it, but yeah, offloading it to the internet. Now, back in my day when I started in technology, there was – we had these mainframe computers, servers, right? All the computing was done on the mainframe computer and then those of us little, you know, geeks were out there with our nodes, our little – computers. But the computer didn't do any processing. We just sent information back and forth to the server. Right? It's called client server technology. And now there's this shift. Oh, and then then, you know, in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, there was a shift toward all the processing being done on the computer, on your node. And now we're going back to all the processing being done on a server, which is the internet. I know I'm getting right. a little geeky technical right. here. No, go ahead. But that alone is that's a very significant development in technology today. And so when these applications that are available online come out and they're free, that's a huge value to you, the end user. Because otherwise, you'd be paying Microsoft hundreds and hundreds of dollars for one of their software packages to do this exact same thing on your own computer. When in fact, you can pay nothing or a very reasonable fee to this company and have the same access to that kind of organization from anywhere in the world. Right. I, I, to me, that's amazing. And that is, that's the evolution of technology right there. Well, and that's why, you know, most of these programs obviously have phone, you know, phone applications now, uh, which means that it's with you all the time. Now, in, you know, in some ways, that's kind of a negative, too, because it's with you all the time. Well, that's why I don't have a smartphone yet. I know. And you're I the geekiest want- person I know that doesn't have a smartphone. Well, I, you know, I said to, to um, uh, myself this morning, I said, you know what? This is the summer that I'm going to, I'm going to get a smartphone. It's time because it's, you've reached a point, and I know that there's a lot of other horse people who think this way as well. It's like when you're in the saddle or whenever you're doing something special, you just, that's it. I'm doing that and nothing else. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to answer my emails. I'm not going to check Facebook. But I think smartphones now are, they're so pervasive and they enable you to do so many things when you're not in the saddle or you're not doing that special time that everybody kind of needs to have one. Do you know what the best thing about the smartphone is? It's not the phone. What? It's the no. camera. It's, it's the, the what? Camera. It's the camera. That's no. what people use the most on their smartphones is the camera. Really? They have really good cameras and it's with you all the time. So you're never without your camera. You'll never carry a camera again. Um, so they, they do videos. They do Pictures, that's the thing that people use, especially the iPhone. The new iPhones have terrific cameras in them. Well, yeah. And now that, do you know, you know how, I mean, if you guys are really good, attentive, regular Stable Scoop listeners, you'll know what my dream piece of technology is. And I'll tell you what, it's out. What's that? It's, it's out there. It's a watch. It's essentially a smartphone in watch format. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's very rudimentary, and it has nowhere near. Yes, I'm like (laughs) 0013, the unlucky 13 number. I was thinking you were more like get smart, but uh. yeah, well, sure, yeah, (laughs) that would be actually. You know, that is a pretty, (laughs) just a pretty accurate representation. I can see you taking your shoe off to make a call, (laughs) and anybody under 40, what 40 hasn't didn't understand any of what I just said there. No. So what was his uh, sidekick? She was 86, uh, 66. Uh, no. What was she? 89? 89? 86? I don't know. It was something like that. It yeah, wasn't 69. Oh. I know that. Double uh, O, oh, 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 my God. That's me. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so so smartphones, client server technology, tool do. Tool do. Take advantage of it. dot com. Funny name. Great service. Yes, there and then you you'll never, ever miss a farrier appointment again. That's right, <laughs> unless you forget to put it in. Yeah. All right, that's it, everybody. We, but before <gasps> we go, did, did you go look at the uh, 
the uh, standard breads at the standard bread place in New Jersey yet? Not yet. I have an appointment. Hotel is booked, and I have an appointment for thir- next Thursday and Friday. Oh, oh no, good. sorry, Friday and Saturday. Terrific. And but I did find another horse that Uh-oh. I have a pre-purchase exam pending on. Oh no, you might not have to go to New Jersey. Well, no, I'm going to go to New Jersey. So okay. uh, New Jersey is uh, Thursday is uh, Friday and Saturday, and then the vet check for the other horse is on Monday, the Monday right after. So what 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 is it? He's an Appy. He's an Appaloosa, 15-hand Appaloosa who's built like a tank. Um, I, he's got to have some draft crossing, a draft in him because he does – he looks like Beaker um, in that body type. He's really like that old foundation quarter horse type with a nice stocky feet and good bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got a little bit of a drafty face and he's a Palomino – Appaloosa, if that's even a thing. He's just like a really light, light, light colored appy. Um, so he's a yellow app. He's not yellow. He's like a, a light cream color. Okay. Yep. And white. And, um, we call them creamsicles. Creamsicles. He's super, super sweet. Nice and quiet. He's being used as a lesson horse right now in a Morgan farm. And uh, Yay, that's what you need. That's exactly yeah. what you need. You need one that you're just going to be able to get on and go ride. Exactly. And um, I did that. He's got the most comfortable canner ever. I mean, walk, talk, canner. He's definitely green in the ring. He, he knows nothing about bending or um, anything like that. He's got a really hard mouth because, you know, he's been a lesson, a lesson horse. horse. Yeah. Um, but he's good. You kiss to him and he canters. I took him. I hacked him out down away from the barn. They have like a mile long dirt driveway and he went out no problem. Um, so he isn't, he's uh, definitely, doesn't get burned sour or? He he's not barn sour. He he spooked a little bit on me, but they have this like they have this greenhouse, this this series of small greenhouses near the barn that are sort of old and abandoned and they they were the kinds of greenhouses that had covered, you know, they're arched and they're covered with mm-hmm. fabric and all laughing. the it was fl- and it was like dri- <laughs> all of it. It was like hundreds of little <laughs> flappy things and then there was like this old um, That's their desensitization technique right there. Oh, <laughs> the my Morgans. God. It was like I said to the lady owner, I said, this is like the ahar, a fun house for horses. There's every possible spookable item here. <laughs> there were tarps and there were balloons and there were things. It was. And well, he just get through that. <laughs> I think what he did was when he spooked, I think he actually caught his reflection in the glass window as we went by the trailer. Um, well, the important it was part just, is what he do when he spooked. What was nothing. No, he just okay. scooted. Yeah. He just scooted. It was nothing. And she's like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. He never does that." <laughs> so I was like, "Please, <laughs> that's that, I'm good with that. Really, you know, if you knew what I've been on, this is this is just fine." So we hacked down the the, the driveway, which is a really steep hill down to this nice sort of packed dirt trail, and he was great. Definitely a sightseer. Likes to look, but nothing worrisome. And then we had a good old canner back up the hill. And um, he was like, oh, who is this woman? Why is she making me work? <laughs> but it was great. So um, there's a couple of things that I, you know, I'm concerned about. He's a little, sounds like he might be a little heavy or have some kind of upper respiratory issues. And uh, he's an appy, so I'm going to have his feet checked, see if the vet thinks he might be at um, a greater risk for navicular. Uh, have his eyes checked because Appies are yeah. prone to does he have the uh, eyes recurring uveitis? He does not. His eyes are actually pigmented. He's even his nose is very pink, but his eyes are um, the eyelids. They're all dark. Okay, yeah, so um, and he's got a couple of issues. You know, nothing, nothing big. But um, I really liked him. I wanted to go out on adventures with him. So we'll. I, hey, I may end up with two horses. I'm oh, very <laughs> impressed. This, right? this for you usually takes years. Let's hope he passes the vet. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. But you know what's funny? I said as soon as I get my, my adoption approval from the Standard Bread Retirement Foundation, I have an appointment booked. Of course, I find a horse 30 minutes from my house who's in my price range and does what I want to do. Right. Not eight hours away. No. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, that was meant to be. If it's meant to be, it'll, it'll pass the inspection and it's meant to be. Yeah, and then you can well. get into bow and arrow, and you can go shoot off of him. Well, that's what I think. He's the kind of horse that you could do that with. Yeah, you know, you could hang off of him and kick him and boot him, and you know, pick flowers from his back and all that yeah, fun you want stuff. Something your daughter can ride, and you know, yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, good luck with that. What's his name? 
His name is Brody. All right. Brody. Brody. Um, all right. Well, we'll get an update on Brody next week to see how, how you made out. Good luck with that. Thank you. And uh, that's about it for this week. We're running out of time. So it, it's been a wonderful 200 episodes, Helena. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep doing it some more. Here's to 200 more. And thanks to all our stable scoopers for listening and following along, following along as we navigate through the, uh, the horse world. One yeah. guest at a time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> you can find all of our other shows at horseradionetwork.com. And, of course, you can find all the show notes and past episodes. You can listen to everyone back to number one at stablescoop.com. I'm going to leave you with this. There was a picture on Facebook today from Abilene Animal Hospital. It's the sign out in front of their hospital along the road. And it <laughs> says, it's all fun and games until somebody ends up in a cone. 